Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Today we are lucky enough to have Pastor Aaron Dowds to speak with us. Hope you enjoy. Our history as a church, and as a church, we're looking to Him. Uh, not our wisdom, our skills, our abilities, our strengths, all of those things, our horses or our chariots, but we look to Him, for only He uh, can fulfill the plans and purposes He has for us. So, happy are the generous part two. Uh, let's, let's focus first of all on the word happy. <laughs> so you can smile, okay? So this is, uh, you know, two least favorite topics to talk about in church are giving, possessions, finance, and sex. But uh, it's happy, so please do give me a smile, relax, and uh, let's just enjoy the journey. So we're going to look at today. Um, Luther said there are three conversions involved in the Christian life, head, heart, and purse or wallet. And uh, very often the conversion of the, the purse or the wallet is the final one to be converted. Let's have a look at that together. Um, should we really talk about finance in church? I mean, should we really talk about money and possessions? Isn't that slightly inappropriate? Isn't that uh, rather personal? Jesus didn't think so. Uh, and God didn't think so when he thought what to include in the Bible. In fact, as we realize in terms of number of verses on possessions, this topic is mentioned in the Bible more than any other. Three times more than love. We've had a lot of messages on love. Uh, seven times more than prayer. We've heard a lot of messages on prayer, which is wonderful. Uh, and eight times more than belief. And 17 of the 38 parables are about possessions. That's almost 50%. So I think God knows that we need to learn something. In fact, about 15% of Bible verses, that's almost, uh, that is 2,172. Some, uh, some guy got the job of being able to count them. <laughs> I wonder how much he got paid for doing that. Uh, 2,172 verses deal with possessions, things such as treasures, Hidden in a field, pearls, talents, pounds, and stables, etc. Okay. Uh, here's a wonderful quote from John Wesley. He said, Gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can, because all that we have is given us by God. And since we have been entrusted with these possessions, we are responsible to use them in ways that bring him glory. We talked about last week about the change in mindset, the natural mindset, if it's, earned by, if it's earned by me, it should be spent on me. The new mindset that Jesus taught is one of stewardship. As John Wesley points out, that all that has been given to us has been given to us by God. The breath that we breathe, the energy that we have, and therefore the money that we earn and our possessions are God's. That's a radical shift in mindset. Everything I have is, is given by God. But he's given us it as stewards or managers, and he expects us to use them wisely. And he says that we've been entrusted with them. Last week we said if you have a joint household income of 25,600 pound or more, you are the top 1% income earners in the world. Uh, many are way below that, and many are way above it. But he says we are entrusted with these uh, possessions, and we are responsible to use them in ways that bring him glory. Bring him glory, I think, in ways that love God and love the things that God loves. And the church, God loves his church. 
he died for his church. The church is his plan A, and he has no plan B. <laughs> the church with its weaknesses and its flaws, he loves his church. And uh, love neighbor. So how do we bring God glory? The priorities of love God and love neighbor. Last week, we looked at this parable taught by Jesus in Luke 12. He said to them, watch out, be in your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. This whole parable is about possessions. It's about what we do with those possessions, whether we store them up for self or we give them away. That's what this whole parable is about. Jesus is not talking about in this parable about your time, your worship, or prayer. It's very clearly Jesus is pointing out that this passage is about covetousness, desiring other things, possessions, what we do with those possessions, and ultimately giving away possessions. It's about generosity or that thereof. And he concludes the parable with that verse. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God in the context of this parable? It's not meaning we go to church lots. It's not meaning we pray lots. It's not meaning we read our Bible lots. Jesus very clearly shows in this passage that to be rich toward God means to give away stuff. How do you be rich toward God? You give away stuff. That's, you, read the, you read the passage. The way that we're rich toward God is we give away stuff to the people that God loves. The way to be rich toward God is to be rich to the children that God loves. The way to be rich toward God is to be generous to our neighbor. That's simple enough. Simple enough, so let's not overcomplicate it. <laughs> it's about being generous. It's about loving God by loving our neighbor. Jesus taught the way to be rich toward God is to give your stuff away. And he's saying here, when you're rich towards the people that I love, you're rich towards me. When you love your neighbor, you're loving me. When you're kind to your neighbor, when you have compassion on your neighbor, you are loving your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, you're actually loving me. Because whatever you did, 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 action, generosity, action, whatever you did for the least of these, my children, you did for me. The way we love God is love our neighbor. And we're going to see that love has to include generosity. Love has to include mercy. And mercy, by its very nature, is active, it's giving, it's generous. And it all starts with the generous God. The song that we heard singing, generous God. Because he's so generous, he did. He was compassionate. He was kind. He gave us creation. He gave us beauty. He gave us uh, 
He gave us, made us in his image. He gave us each other. He gave us marriage. He gave us beauty. He gave us our possessions. He gave his son. He gave for God so love. He gave, he gave, he gave, he gave, he gave because God is love and love is giving. God is love and, go and love is giving. God is love and love is compassionate. God is love and love is merciful. God is love and love is generous. And that's where it all starts. Because uh, we heard this quote recently in a message I did called The Main Thing, Andy Stanley in his book Irresistible says, under the new covenant, the new agreement, uh, which the Pentecost and the pouring out of the Spirit was part of, because Joel prophesied in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. We do not love God and love our neighbors. Under the new covenant, we love God by loving our neighbors. We're rich towards God by being rich toward God's children. We love God by loving our neighbor. We're rich towards God by giving stuff away to those that God loves. John 1, John 4.20 says, for the person who does not love his brother he has seen cannot love the God he has not seen. The way we love the invisible God is to love the visible neighbor. The way that we are rich is the invisible God is to give stuff to the visible neighbor, brother, sister in need. That's how we love the invisible God. We love God by loving our neighbor. And Jesus was approached one day and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, he gave him two, not one. We talk about this in the main thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's what the Jews expected to hear. The way they loved God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength was strict adherence to the 613 plus commandments in the Old Testament, but they disregarded their neighbor. And Jesus was going to say to them, the second is like it. Wait a minute, Jesus, we only asked for one, but Jesus is going to give them two. He's going to show that the second is like it. What is the second greatest commandment? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Scholars, commentators agree as like it means of equal significance, importance, and magnitude. To love your neighbor is to love God. This is a Willie who lives in Salon, and he's a great blessing to us. Another lawyer came to Jesus and said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then the Good Samaritan, as you know, a man beaten up by robbers left on the side of the road for dead. And the religious leaders, the Pharisee and the Levite, walked past. They closed their heart. They were not generous. They were not rich toward God. They were not compassionate. They lacked mercy. They did not give away. It's okay, if you don't worry. Fiona will be taken good care of. Father, we just pray for Fiona. Bless her in Jesus' name. She's okay. So, the Pharisee and the Levite, they closed their heart and they walked by on the other side. There was one man who Jesus said, who is the man who is a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Who is the, the, and the, the, the lawyer answered, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, go and do likewise. So wait, let, let's get this a minute. This is so important. 
Who was the one who loved neighbor as himself? Who was the one who fulfilled the great commandment? Who was the one who had mercy on his neighbor? It was the one who was generous. It was the one who was generous. Look what it says in 10, 35 and 36. On the next day, he took out two denarii. That's two days' wages. You see, love gives, mercy gives, mercy is generous. He took out two days' wages. What's that? I don't know. Depends what your daily wage is. What's that? 60 quid? 100 quid? For some of you, it's 1,500. <laughs> and he says, he, yeah, Al goes on about 7.50 a day. £7.50. <laughs> and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you. Wait a minute. That word whatever is generous. Whatever is generous. Whatever is mercy. Whatever more you spend. Now, what if the guy hears that? He's like, phones up the innkeeper. Hey, I hear that whatever uh, is on my account. What's, uh, what's on... Um, What's on the, the room service? What, what kind of champagne you got in? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll order a rare steak dinner, please, um, with a finest baller of champagne. And do you have a massage service? Because I hear that my bill's going to be covered. Do, do you do massage? <laughs> do you have a spa? Add that to my account. But um, joking aside, he said, whatever more you spend, I will repay you. There's the heart of generosity, isn't it? The heart of generosity and when you return, which of these three do you think proved himself to be the man who encountered the robbers? The one who loved his neighbor himself is the one who was merciful. The one who was merciful is the one who took action. The one who took action is the one who opened his wallet and gave. He was the generous one. We're talking about cash, bucks, dollar, lolly, low, dough, whatever you want to call it, all right? We're talking about possessions. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about giving. We're talking about love and mercy and generosity are interconnected. It's a love language. One of the five love languages in the book, the five love languages of love, is giving generously and giving gifts. And so here we see the way to love God is to love neighbor. That's what the Good Samaritan did. The way to be rich toward God, modeled by the, rich Samarit the, the good Samaritan, was to give stuff away to neighbors in need. The way, Andy Stanley, to love God in the new covenant is to love our neighbor. James puts it this way, suppose a brother or sister was without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fired, but does nothing about their physical needs. So this is about generosity. This is about doing nothing. This is about seeing. This is about not responding. This is about closing our heart. This is about not being generous. He says, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. What action? What action is not accompanied there? The action is generosity. The action is responding to the need that they see. The action is giving. He says, faith without action is dead. We could almost say faith without action, faith without mercy, that results in generosity to those in need, is dead faith. Wow. Wow, Jesus and the Bible is very clear about our generosity and how important and how 
significant generosity and giving is. Uh, we see it in the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. The sheep Jesus gave as an example of those who believe in him, what their lifestyle will be like. And he showed, he compared to those, the goats were those who don't have true saving faith. And the goats lack action. They lack mercy. They lack giving. They lack generosity. When someone's hungry, they don't feed. When someone's thirsty, they don't give water. When somebody's in prison, they don't visit them. When somebody's not got clothes, they don't give clothes. He compares that to true saving faith, which is in the sheep. And he says that the righteous will answer, when did we see you hungry and feed you? That's generosity. That's giving something. It's an action. Thirsty and give generosity. Give you something to drink. Lacking clothes and give, give, give. Generosity central. The king will reply, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. The way to be rich toward God is to give stuff away to the people that God loves. That's what's happening in Matthew 25. That's what the sheep are doing. They're giving stuff to the people that God loves. They're storing up their treasure in heaven, which is an eternal mindset of possessions that God and Jesus taught in the New Testament. That we have an eternal perspective, an eternal bank account, an eternal treasure that we give up and store up by giving away. And he says, you did it for me because... When you're generous to the children that I love, you're generous to me. When you're rich towards and give stuff away to those that I love, you give to me. Joyful are the generous. And uh, joyful is a word that we must think about when we're talking about generosity. Watch this video of my oldest daughter. I love all my children and I love them all equally. And this is just a two minute video of a story that she's going to tell you. Hey everyone, um, my dad asked me to share a story about giving um, with you, you guys. Uh, so here I go. <laughs> so uh, a few weeks ago, I was given some money, like ten or so, um, from somebody, and I, I, I felt like bringing it to uh, like a Holy Spirit encounter, just pocket money, you know. And I went on a Holy Spirit encounter at another church, and God, I felt God telling me to give it all into the offering to bless the people that were taking it. And I was a little bit like, do I want to do that? But I felt God tell me to do it, so I just, I just gave it all in and says, okay, God, there you go, there you go. And um, well, five minutes later, my grandpa just puts a, a tenner in my hand and. She says, there you go, have this. And I was like, so really surprised and like very thankful. And it was like God like saying, here you go, like you can never outdo God. And then we were like getting told how to like pray over people and like I was praying over somebody and then they gave me like a fiver. So I had 15 pound after giving them, t- after giving 10 away. And then at the end of the encounter, I felt God tell me, give it all the 15 pound to the people taking it. The leaders of the people of the Holy Spirit school, which is what I was at. And they, and they said, to, God just says, give it all away. And I was like, um, 
okay. And well, I did it and I was like, okay God, here you go. I'll just give it away and hope it blesses them. And the next day they came and said, thank you so much, that was really nice and everything. And I just went on as life got, I just went, just got on as, you know, just went on with life. And I went home, because it was in Dundee, and I went home that day, and there was a card in my bedroom, and it was a birthday card. And it was really late, because it was April, my birthday's in March, and I opened it up and there was 15 pound, and it, was, and it was like amazing, and it kind of just showed me that you can never outdo God, and that God just like loves you so much, and he wants you to be generous because you can never outdo him. And God is a generous God and I love him. When you listen to the Holy Spirit, he may not just tell you to give 10%, he may tell you to give 100%. How beautiful the faith of little children. I know she's a young lady now, embarrass her. 1 John 3.17, if anyone has the world's goods, has the world's goods, and we think we're, we don't think we're rich, but we are. 25,600 joint income puts us in the top 1% uh, income earners in the world. If anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. Uh, the different translations say shows no pity, or has no compassion, or turns a cold shoulder and do nothing. Or the, the, the best one is, shutteth up his bellows of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? He needs a spiritual, what that person needs is a spiritual Senecot. Okay. <laughs> to open up the bellows of compassion. A spiritual Senecot. Sorry, I'm a pharmacist. I had to go there. He says he closes his heart. How do we close our heart? You close your heart by keeping your stuff for yourself. You close your heart, like the, the Pharisee and the Levite in the Good Samaritan parable, by walking by on the other side. They closed their heart. You close your heart by closing your wallet. You keep your heart closed by keeping your wallet closed. You close your heart by not being generous. What does John conclude? He says, he closes his heart against him and he's puzzled. He says, wait a minute, how can you do that if God's love exists in you? That, that doesn't add up. That's just, wait a minute, that's, that's total confusing. I mean, how can you do that if God's love is inside you? He says, how does God's love abide in him? Or the, pansla the, the, the pansla translation, the passion translation, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? And here's the key. Here is the key. Is God's love living inside him? Because if it truly dwells in us, what John is, is saying that we will respond. We will be generous people. We will. The key to loving neighbor as self is God's love being inside us because God is such a generous God. If the spirit of the generous God is living in us, and here's the key, walking in the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit, 
listening to the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit, living in relationship with the Spirit. Isn't that what Pentecost is about in the last days? We will receive God's Spirit and, you know, God will change us from the inside out. This, the, because we are told in Romans 5, if the, if the secret to generosity is God's living in us, if God's love is in us, that's what compels us. That's what moves us. That's what, that's what uh, uh, moves us. If that's the key, the question becomes, how do you get God's love inside you? Romans 5, 5, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How relevant is that on Pentecost Sunday? The Holy Spirit's been given to us and it's the Holy Spirit that pours out God's love into our heart. And it's God's Holy Spirit that changes us. And that's why generosity is actually a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual maturity issue. It is a discipleship issue. It is a old-fashioned word for you, sanctification issue. It's an issue of becoming more like God, more like Jesus, as the Spirit changes us from the inside out, because what are two fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians? Nine fruits of the Spirit. The first one is love and also kindness. Love and kindness. Love and kindness. God changes us from the inside out and transforms us. And therefore, a, a good question would be, how spiritually mature am I? We tend to think, well, how much do I read my Bible? Or how, much, how often do I go to church? How much do I pray? How much do I tell others about Jesus? Here's one for you. How generous are you? How spiritually mature are you? How generous are you? How spiritually mature are you? What percentage of your income have you given in the last year? 1%? 2%? 5 I don't know. I'm not here to condemn. I'm just saying that generosity is a spiritual issue. Um, let's skip these. Generous people have a plan and an amount and a destination. Number one, a plan. You see, whenever have you ever drifted in a good direction? What's your financial plan? We talked about this last week. Let's just go in a wee bit more detail as I work through this quickly, okay? When have you ever drifted in a good direction? If you don't have a plan, this is your plan. You actually do have a plan, you just don't know it. Your plan are your habits. So if you don't have a plan, this is your plan. Spend it, consume it, save what I can and give what's left over. That's your plan. So we tend to drift towards what is bad and we plan to what is good. So generous people we looked at last week are those who have centered and planned and prioritized their lives around generosity. So a plan is essential. If, our, if there's no plan, our giving will be three S. Spontaneous, sporadic, and sparing. We looked at that last week, okay? Second people, uh, generosity requires an amount. Generous people have decided ahead of time in relationship with the Holy Spirit, prayerfully, in planning, they've decided ahead of time what they're going to give. And they move what they give from last, whatever's left over, to first. And that's worship. It's like giving is so close to the heart of God and is storing up eternal treasure. It's so important to leave to last, I'm going to move it to first. My financial plan, I'm going to decide what am I going to give. And I'm going to bolt that in as a non-negotiable and that's going to be the amount that I'm going to give. And move from what is last, Michael talked about that last week, to first... Give first, save second, and live on the rest. John Wesley, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Give first, save second, live on the rest. 
an amount. We want to move from a 3S to a 3P. And what is a 3P? Percentage. Pick a percentage. Percentage is just a good way. It's a good way of looking at your income and saying, what percentage did I give last year? Was it 1%? Was it 2 Was it 3 Was it 15 Was it 20 What? What was it? And you be the judge of yourself whether you think. And that's for you and the Holy Spirit and your plan and based on what your financial status is. But start somewhere. Take a baby step. If you're not given anything, just pick a, pick a number in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Start somewhere. Pick a baby step. Plan your giving first, priority, and progressive. As I said, start with a baby step. Review it. Review it regularly. And you see, some of us get stuck on a 10% number, and that's good. We love the 10% number, and I think it's a good number from the Old Testament that they gave a tenth of their, their animals and their crops. But what if God wants you to give 20 this year? It's, it's, it's based on how much God has prospered you. Rick Warren decided, I'll increase it 1% every year until we got to the place of living on 10 and giving 90 because he was in relationship with the Holy Spirit. What if the Holy Spirit wants to do that to you and you're stuck on a number and, you've, and you're not living in relationship? So that's why I want to emphasize relationship on Pentecost Sunday. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, about the collection for the Lord's people, they were, Paul was instructing them, we're going to take up an offering for the poor people in Jerusalem, and he's going to tell them how much to give. Want to know how much to give? Here's a good verse for you. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of the week, each of you, so the first day of the week, there's the regular pattern, there's the priority, first, first, there's that word first again, the first, the priority, Set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So there it is. How much should you give? A sum of money in keeping with your income. That's for you to decide. That's for you prayerfully to consider with the Holy Spirit. Saving up so when I come, no collections have to be made. You've got the different translations there. Up on your screen, in proportion to his, his prosperity, the Amplified says. It basically means whatever extent one has prospered. Depends how much God has prospered you. If you've prospered more, you can give more. Yeah? That's pretty simple. There's some other verses. If the biggest portion of New Testament scripture on giving is two whole chapters in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, if ever you're going to find that what amount should you give, it will be in there for New Covenant believers, okay? And this is what it says. Having overflowed in wealth, the Macedonian churches is an example here. My goodness, look at the time. For they gave, <laughs> I'm going to have to speed up. According to their means. There you go. How much should you give? According to your means. Your ability and as much as they could. And it says, as I can testify and beyond their means. Their ability more than they could. And it says, of their own accord, voluntarily, free will. No pressure, no guilt, no rules, but according to their ability. 8.12, for if the eagerness, and that's, the eagerness has got to be there. If there's no eagerness or desire or heart or cheerfulness, then it doesn't benefit anybody, does it? It is acceptable. An offering to be acceptable to God has to be free will, free choice. How much? According to what one has. So according to what you have. God's prospered you more, you can give more. Not according to what you do not have. Of course, Jesus doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. The poor widow had two coins. She gave it all. 
God had prospered Zacchaeus more. He said, I give 50% of my possessions to the poor. And anyone I've cheated, how much will I give? The law required what you've cheated plus a tenth. But generosity, he says, no, four times as much. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's a heart decision. What have you decided in your heart? Do it in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Pick a percentage. Pick a baby step. Start there. Review it. Pray. Ask God, what about next year, Lord? What do you want me to do next year? What can I give? How can I live more simply? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And lastly, a destination. Jesus said in Matthew 6, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's put our money where our heart is and choose good soil. What is good soil to invest your money in? I would suggest where the kingdom of God is a priority, where the gospel is a priority, where making disciples, where sharing good news is a priority. You want to give to what you're grateful for. Are you grateful for the local church? And I would say this church is a good place to give, and I would encourage you to give to the local church because it's about the kingdom of God. It's an eternal investment as we look to win souls for eternity, to make disciples, to share the blessing of God with the town. Give to what you're grateful for. If you want to give from the heart, give from a grateful heart and a broken heart. So what are you grateful for and what breaks? What are you broken over? Lastly, Acts 20 Paul is in Ephesus, he's about to leave for Jerusalem, he, he's about to get on a ship and he knows he's going to be arrested in Jerusalem, he knows he's not going to see the believers again in Ephesus and he tells them, it's an emotional piece of writing because he's getting ready to leave, he tells them about his generous way of living, his sacrificial way of living and he leaves an example for them to follow in his steps and he leaves these words, he says, remember the words of the Lord, Jesus it is more blessed to give than receive. Blessed is the same word as the Beatitudes. It means happy. It is more blessed. You're more happy to give than to receive. And we tend to think of as transactions. When I, when I give and someone says, thank you, you go, no, it's okay, it's okay. It's more blessed to give than receive. So we tend to think of transactions and moments. It's more blessed to give and receive. And we'll have a, a moment of happiness when I give there, and a moment of happiness when I give there, and a moment of happiness when I give there, and a buzz when I give there. No, what, what it really means is this. If you live a generous life, not just have moments of giving, and order and prioritize your life around generosity, you will be happy. Because happiness is an outcome of a lifestyle of generosity. So we want to get away from 3S, where it's sporadic, spontaneous, and sparing, and have bursts of wee happiness there, to a lifestyle of generosity, because happiness is the outcome of a lifestyle. And so Jesus is talking about a lifestyle that he modeled, that Paul modeled, a lifestyle of generosity. We could say he was saying this, happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. It's about a lifestyle, isn't it? And even research has shown that. Remember, as I close, if one final video, the book, The Paradox of Generosity, the interview asks him this, this question. The book argues that generosity has to be practiced consistently to offer rewards to the giver. It can't just be a single act of giving blood or something like that. An author says, it has to be a practice. It has to be something that is sustained. 
over time that people engage with regularly. One-off things just don't affect us that much, whereas things that we repeat, things that are sustained in our bodily behaviors and in our minds have a tremendous effect. So this is science, this is research, so just discover what Jesus taught in the Bible. The empirical evidence was very clear. Nothing we tested where you do it one time has an effect, but all the things that you have to sustain over time have that effect. Happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. It's more blessed to give than receive. Final video, and then we're going to have the band back at this video. Give it up for Stephen Payton. Come on. Good morning. Pastor Williams asked me to share a little bit on my experiences in tithing and giving. Um, but honesty would be the best place to start. It's not my strongest um, discipline in my faith, and it's something I've had to work hard at and, and try and study and learn, and I'm constantly doing that just now. Um, one of my first experiences on uh, giving, I was an adult apprentice. I was on £7 an hour. I had very little money left. I think I had £30 in my pocket. That was all I had left to do me till I was paid um, in over a week's time. And the offering basket came round at church. And I wrestled and wrestled and I threw this money grudgingly in and I sat and I was like with my arms folded uh, and I just, you know, Pastor Jimmy got up to preach maybe within two, three minutes after that moment and the first thing he said was that God is looking for cheerful uh, and joyful givers and if, if you give grudgingly he's not interested in money and I just felt so challenged and convicted um, throughout the whole service and the next morning I got up and went downstairs um, and noticed something through the frosted glass door. I opened the door and found a package that had my name on it and the sum of £500 in cash. And that was money that was due to me from six, seven months before that I was told I most likely wasn't going to get after doing some Saturday shifts for a guy. Um, and there it was. And I, I really believe it was God showing me that, you know, when we put our trust in Him, He can make things happen that we couldn't normally do on our own strength. So. Um, it's a real discipline that I'm working on. Um, for me now, fast forward 11 years, I I think you know I've got priority. I've got um, bills, family. You know you're all in the same position. Um, and some days I think that I don't have the money to tithe. But the reality is I've got the latest phones. I've had extravagant extravagant car payments in the past. Um, extravagant gym memberships and the truth is it's not that I can't afford it it's just that I haven't been prioritizing it so it's something that I've changed and I'm working on um, more and more recently uh, a story of when I was self-employed was I was short significantly and um, things about 700 pound a month short of making up my usual uh, monthly cost to cover running a business and uh, for living and I went to a job and had to condemn my gas appliance, it wasn't safe. I went out to my van to get the stickers. I was rummaging around trying to find the stickers. And before I know it, I put my hand uh, behind the back seats and I just started pulling notes and notes and notes of money. I was in disbelief um, and, I, and I counted it up and it made up the exact amount that I was short that month for uh, running, running a business basically. And it was such a, a, an overwhelming experience. I knew that it was the hand of God. I'm not dismissing that I didn't put the money there at some other point and had forgotten about it. But the timing of it and that hour of need um, really taught me a lot again about the importance of trusting God um, and, and, and tithing and stuff. So um, more recently, I'm, I'm employed now and I've 
kind of had a bit of a negative mindset as to thinking how can somebody employed be financially blessed when you're on a set salary. It's something that I've struggled with and um, one final example, um, we wanted to um, buy a new sofa when I was self-employed. You could move money around, you could you were a bit more flexible, but we don't have that luxury now. We went to look at a sofa, we really liked it, but the truth is it was going to be a finance situation. It's the only way we could um, buy the couch. We went three times to look at it and we ended up sort of coming to a disagreement and, and not wanting to get it. I was a bit disappointed, I was a wee bit annoyed, um, but we didn't go for it. Um, three to four weeks went by and I got a phone call from someone saying that they had an Italian leather corner couch that was valued at £6,000 that he no longer had um, the use for and was going to skip it, would you believe it? He says, do you know anyone who would use it? And um, as you can see, we're sitting on it, I'm sitting on it just now. I don't mean to um, use the, the figures uh, boastfully, I just want to use it to show that, you know, we were going to finance like a couch for £1,000 and God just smashed it. and. Here we are with a couch we could never have dreamed of having, um, but we, we believe that it's just through our obedience and faithfulness to tithing that God has done this um, and, re and rewarded us, if you like. So, like I say, I'm no great teacher on tithing. I've got so much to work on and I'm going to continue to do so. Um, but that's just a little background for um, myself when it comes to tithing. Thank you. Let's get the band back up. Let's get Bam back up. I've sat on that uh, leather Italian sofa and I've had to say sorry for uh, coveting my neighbor's couch. It's so mint. It's incredible. It's at their feet. It's awesome, isn't it? That, you know, when Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. We can either believe that, those words of Jesus. Let's stand to our feet, please. We can either believe those words of Jesus or we can respond like the atheist that says, I'll just believe in the natural laws and principles. Or on Pentecost Sunday, I'll believe in the Holy Spirit and God's laws and God's words. Given it will be given to you. So church, let me just pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Band, if you could just start playing. As you heard from Mel, we do need regular givers to this church. As I said last week, a church needs what a church exists on. It's not adrenaline given. It's the heartbeat. Everybody needs a heartbeat. And the heartbeat of the local church is the regular givers. And so I just want to ask you to consider, especially if you consider this your church, you consider yourself a member, you consider yourself belonging here, please pray about becoming a regular giver. Take a baby step, plan, prioritize, progress. For those who are giving, just pray about it. Eddie's at the back, he's got forms, standing order and gifted. If you can do that, please do. Please pray about it. And please join the 51 regular givers Plus, the 51 represents couples, so that's more people. Some of those 51 are couples and families. Giving units, 51 giving units. So if you can join us, please do so. But do it joyfully. <laughs> do it joyfully. 
knowing that you're storing up treasure in heaven, knowing it's an internal investment, knowing give and it will come back to you. Don't give so that it comes back to you. Give even if it doesn't come back to you. But Jesus promised it will. And it's not just materially, it involves spiritual blessing in many different ways. So let's pray. If you're comfortable to do this with your hands, that's just a sign of uh, surrender and receiving. If you're not, that's fine. Just keep your hands in your pockets. But if you're comfortable doing that, just repeat these, after, these words after me. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let me feel you now. Let me receive you now. Pour out your love into my heart by your Holy Spirit. I receive you, Holy Spirit. I receive your presence. I receive your peace. I receive your power. I receive your strength. I receive your healing. I receive your touch. Dear Father, I pray now your spirit would come and be poured out upon us afresh. You would take us back to our first love. For love is mercy. Love is kind. Love is generous. Holy Spirit, have your way among us. Teach us what it means to walk in His Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Hear the Holy Spirit. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. And filled with the presence of Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father by your Holy Spirit. I ask you, Father, we give the current financial situation to you, God. And we ask that you would resolve it. Like Mary, we say, there is no wine. <laughs> we say there's a shortage of wine. The wine is running out. We give it to you, Lord Jesus. And we leave it with you. And we ask for a miracle. We ask for you to move. We ask for you to have your way. In Jesus' name. Let us worship. Thank you, Vine Church.